Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right, well, I want to... um do a few things today. Uh, one, I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we are in the process of trying to obtain a new facility for our church, which, you know, we are almost next year, this time or so, will be our 20th anniversary as a church. We've never had our own building. Um, we've had some property, but we haven't built anything. So we're in that process. Let me give you a real brief update. I'll do this periodically. Along the way, we're in our due diligence period. Uh, we should close around May 1st or so on the property. Well, there'll be a lot of upfitting that will be needed. But um, we can go ahead and show that first image here. For those who weren't able to see it, this is what we want it to look like uh, about a year from now or so. Um, it is a property that is directly west of here, about two miles as the crow flies, three miles to drive it. And it's the uh, Renolda Common Shopping Center. We're trying to purchase that. Uh, upfit it, renovate it. It has tenant spaces that we want to rent out. We provide some ongoing revenue to pay off our debt for one. We don't have any debt right now, but we will when we have this. Um, and then be able to give to missions and do a lot of amazing things. So it's an incredible opportunity, I believe. The Lord's, I can't, well, the Lord has given us a great price with this. I can't go into any details on that yet till everything is closed, and then I'll talk about that more. But um, we're learning a lot along the way. Uh, through this uh, due diligence period, we've got a lot more to learn. I'll give you details as we can as well. But just wanted to give you a small update that our plan, uh, really a few, three steps in particular, is to close and own it first, hopefully in a couple of months. And then uh, secondly, we want to, as soon as we own it, we want to do some outside renovations, kind of the opposite of what you would normally do where you'd do the inside first and then do the outside last. In our case, we want to do the outside first, actually, um, because we want to get it all repainted, resurface the parking lot, restripe the parking lot, get all the lights working, get new awnings on it, because we want tenants in there. So we want to start getting drawing and attracting new tenants so we can get that place filled up, which will help us financially. Um, and then we will, second part, or the third part, actually, uh, probably toward the end of the summer, in the fall, we plan to obtain another loan. It'll be a second, a second loan. It'll be a construction loan to do all the upfitting that's needed. The reason why we're waiting a little bit is that the permitting for this and all the final drawings take several months to do. So during that several-month period between closing and then doing the upfitting, we want to get moving, get tenants in there. And then in the fall, we hope to obtain our construction loan and get in here before our lease runs out here which is June of 22. So just over a year from now, our lease runs out here. So that is our overall plan. Um, we do, we have actually for quite a while been saving. We spend our money really wisely here that you give generously. We are not in debt. Uh, we've saved money, but we still need some more to move forward with all of this. We could, our goal right now is to raise a couple hundred thousand dollars yet. And I uh, want to just, again, as Seth was saying, zero pressure, no arm twisting. Uh, in Exodus 25, 
When the Lord spoke to Moses about raising money for the temple, he said, have them give as their heart moves them. And I just love that wording. So I want to say the same to you as well. Please give as your heart moves you uh, toward this project. I think it will be a blessing to the community, to us, and into the future uh, in many ways. And I really believe the Lord has lined things up for us. But if you would like to give, there's a few ways to do that. One, on your app, on your church, Awake Church app, there's a scroll down, drop down box for a new building project. You can give that way. Uh, you could also drop a check off at our office. Um, you can also go to our website. And there is a, um, if you go to, I think it's connections on our website, there's a drop down for the new building project. It looks like this, new building for a wait campaign. On the bottom is a pledge button and a donate. So you could pledge, let's say you want to give $1,000 over the next certain amount of time, you could hit the pledge button and you could just pledge a certain amount that you, know, that you would give over months or over weeks or however you want to do that. Or you can do a one-time donation that way as well as the app. So there are two, two ways to do that. Um, on here as well, it says that number three, you can give a gift of stock. So we've just opened up a brokerage account. If you'd like to give some stock to us, which we would then cash and use toward the building project, you're welcome to do that. And then fourth one, here's uh, the age we're in. You can give cryptocurrency now. We just opened up another account. So you can actually give cryptocurrency. And we would then cash that immediately into US dollars and use that as well. So some people are doing really well with crypto right now. And um, if you wanted to give some of that, you can do that too. So there are just multiple ways to give. When I go to Africa, I was just there. Uh, people give chickens. They bring them to the church, and they're running around in the back of the church, uh, and then they bring them up for the offering. That's about the only thing that I, I'm not prepared to receive. So <laughs> other than that, you can give many, many different ways, and we will use it toward this facility, and I ask that you continue to pray with us as we continue through this, and that we'd have the wisdom, and that uh, you know, the Lord just show us, if it's him, we want this thing. If it's not, we don't. And he's got something else for us. But uh, so thank you for that. That's uh, the update on that. I want to talk about some other things today here. Uh, really thankful for so much. We have so much to be thankful for in every, every day, in every way. Hundreds of thousands of things. We could be just thanking God all day long for things. And, you know, just as my wife was sharing, that was my wife up here, by the way, if you didn't know, uh, that was sharing about, with, about communion uh, and her name is Debbie. She's the children's pastor, so she's up there with the kids most of the time. But as she was sharing, you know, and it, this reminder through communion where Jesus said to, as often as you do this, remember me. And then he, he gives to us this bread and he gives us this drink that is symbolic and talks about what he went through in his body and what he gave. And we need that remembrance we need those reminders of what has been done for us and who he is. They're powerful for us to remember the right things. The enemy wants us to remember the wrong things. The Lord wants us to remember the right things and things that cause thankfulness. And, and it, it helps not only cleanse me, but it is a, it's just a beautiful reminder to help me stay aligned with him in what he's done. I'm so thankful we get communion. He's given that to us. And there are so many things in life I've recognized 
that are reminders that we need. Uh, actually, the more things that you have, the more maintenance that you have to do, right, to keep things going. Whether it's relationally, if you have a spouse, there are maintenance type of things to do to make sure communication is clear, make sure this relationship is healthy, it's whole. If you have a car, there are maintenance items to take care of on that car. If you have a home, there are maintenance items to take care of on that, with that home, changing the filters, all those type of things. It, it's, it seems, seems like endless. If you have something that is working and moving alive, it requires some maintenance. And one of the things that I've recognized in my Christian life, I met the Lord when I was seven, um, is that I've needed to have constant reminders over and over about this one thing that I'm going to talk about today, and that's forgiveness. Throughout my life, over and over, I need to be reminded of forgiveness. It's one of the things I talk about typically here once a year. Sometimes I skip a year and it's every other year. But um, many of you have heard me talk about this before, and we'll, you'll hear it from me probably next year as well, because it is so important. Part of my job, part of what God has given to me is to help lead you to freedom. God is all about freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free, it says in Galatians 5, right? It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And in fact, in verse 13, it says, it's your calling to live free. Isn't that awesome? We all have a calling to live free. And one thing I've recognized is a hindrance to freedom is unforgiveness. It keeps us from being free, which is why I want to talk about forgiving. Anytime there's unforgiveness, it's a hindrance to being free, to being free internally, to being free in our minds, our hearts. Now, I don't know that there's anything that's more important than that thing right there to staying, to staying free. I remember I had a neighbor when we lived south of Charlotte in a little town called Waxhaw. I uh, had a neighbor that I met. Uh, I remember meeting her, and she did not have a nice look on her face from the moment I met her. And any conversation would get back around to her former husband who left her for a younger woman and how men are horrible. Men cannot be trusted. Men are nasty. Men, you can't, it just, it was, it would, every bit of, it, it consumed her what had happened to her decades before. She couldn't, she never moved on. She not only remained single, but she was filled with bitterness. She was so bitter. She died soon after I got to know her, a very bitter, bitter person replaying in her mind over and over what this man had done to her, what this man had done to her, how he had left her, how he had abandoned her. And it ate her up. She was a bitter person. Unforgiveness, bitterness is a poison on the inside of us that causes us to miss out on life. Keeps us from being free. It was so sad. I was unable to to help her. And to the degree that I provide safe harbor for unforgiveness is to the same degree that I'm bound. When I provide a safe harbor for unforgiveness, 
When I allow that to stay, and we all get to choose whether we allow that to stay, we allow that to linger or stay with me, or we can, we can get rid of it, which is a, a, an amazing thing. If, and if I'm bound, if I'm restricted, if I'm lacking joy, if I'm tormented by thoughts of what's been done to me, that is an indicator that's a big flashing light on the dashboard of my soul that says I am holding onto, I'm harboring unforgiveness. When I am lacking joy, when I have replays in my mind of what someone has done, I need to pay attention and get that thing to the service center quickly. I need to get to the mechanic, the Holy Spirit. I need to go there and say, fix whatever needs to be fixed inside of here because something is really wrong. And oftentimes, I'm gonna say, in my experience, I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about me, it's been unforgiveness has been there. When that thing lingers, it causes all kind of other problems in the system of my body and of my life. In the Hebrew, the word forgiveness incorporates really three different concepts. I'm not gonna go through all of them, but the first one is to cover. The second one is to lift up or away. And the third is to send away or to let go. Forgiveness is to cover, to lift up and away, or to send away, let go. In the New Testament, it's real similar. The concepts of forgiveness, there are three concepts really put together in that word of the New Testament. First one is to cancel, just wipe it out. Remove guilt or send it away. Very similar, Old Testament, New Testament. This forgiveness is to cancel it out, is to let it go, and to lift it up in a way. There's no more guilt associated with it. It's completely gone. Matthew 6, 14 says, for if you forgive, this is Jesus, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This passage is so powerful. Verse 15, but, this is Jesus saying this, forgiveness is for us. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. I don't like that. Yet, it's real, it's there. I can't get away from it. I can't get around this. I wanna be forgiven and there's forgiveness available to the depth of my sin. Whatever depth that is, whatever I've done wrong, the blood of Jesus, the power of his forgiveness will go all the way and get all of that out. Isn't that amazing? He's done that for you, he's done that for me. At the same time, if I will not forgive those that have hurt me, that doesn't come for me. My forgiveness doesn't happen. That's what Jesus said. I, the Father doesn't forgive me until I forgive other people. That is serious. This means there's no option. There's no option. I cannot find an excuse out there that enables me to hang on to unforgiveness. And you know what? I've tried. Have you? Like, but, but you don't understand, or it was this bad, or it was that horrible, or it was that sustained, it was that wrong, they knew better, all of those things. Yes, 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 and yes to all of that. But still, because of what Jesus has done, I cannot use an excuse to hang on to what has been done to me. I have to let it go. I've got to release it. You know what? Sometimes it's a process. A lot of times, 
Forgiveness is not instantaneous. At least in my experience, and in my experience with some other people, you can maybe even choose it, but not feel it. And sometimes you can choose it and feel it, but that still, it's like it's stuck. It's like, how do I let that go? Sometimes it's a process. I've had to ask the Holy Spirit at times, would you help me to forgive? I'm choosing it, but I need help. And he has done that for me, and it's been a process. Sometimes it has taken me weeks, months, sometimes years to really let it go all the way. And I know people who have been hurt, harmed, traumatic, horrible, abusive things that have happened, it may take time to get all the way free and process through all of that. You may choose it in a moment, but goodness sakes, I don't understand all of it, but sometimes it takes time. I think it took Joseph some time to forgive his brothers, didn't it? Sometimes it takes a little time to, to get free entirely. Unforgiveness, though, it's a prison of torment, and it's what the enemy has, his, his desire for each person to be tormented. I have a friend uh, I was leading a Bible school at one point, and she was in the school. She was 17. She had arthritis, severe arthritis, without heavy medication. She couldn't function. Her joints would all seize up in her entire body. And I was talking about forgiveness like I am today, many, many years ago. And at the end, I felt as though there were supposed to be people standing who chose to forgive. The Holy Spirit was saying something to them. They were, the Lord fingered an item in their heart, and as they stood around the room, she didn't stand, and then the Holy Spirit said to her, stand up, but she couldn't think of one thing to forgive anyone for, but she did anyway. She stood up, and as she stood, the Lord spoke to her about this, the person she needed to forgive were people who had said, done things toward her parents. Secondhand forgiveness, you know, there's secondhand smoke. This was secondhand unforgiveness. She was holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness toward people, not who had done anything to her, but had done something to her parents. And when she responded to the Lord, she didn't necessarily feel anything in a moment, but as she went into her car, the presence of the Lord filled her car on her way home and healed her of her arthritis. Healed her body of her arthritis. And I've heard her share this testimony several times. And the Lord did that because oftentimes unforgiveness affects other things in our bodies, in our physical bodies too. It can do that. It can have that connection because it is a, it's a poison on the inside. Not all the time having arthritis means that there's unforgiveness. I'm not saying that. But sometimes the things that are spiritual can affect our physical on the inside of us as well. And so it's one other reason why I want to be free and forgive. I remember another man, um, he was 19 or so, big guy, I've told this story recently, came to my office with anger, wanted to hurt me. Had his, his fist clenched and he was a big guy. As we began to pray for him, over time, what ended up coming out was the hatred, the anger he had towards his father and how he had been treated as a young boy. And as he began to say, I forgive him, there was a demonic presence that left his body. It was actually a demon of anger that left his body as he 
forgave, as he let go. When he did that, he was free. Uh, Dudley Hall, if you ever heard of Dudley Hall, he's a preacher, he said, you know, the crazy thing about unforgiveness is that it's like eating poison, hoping the other person gets sick. Isn't that a great picture of it? Unforgiveness is like eating poison with the hope that the other person gets sick, that get, that's done something to you. But the other person doesn't get sick. It's you. It's me. Unforgiveness, when I let it remain inside of me, when I eat it, when I dwell on it, I'm the one that gets sick. And Jesus doesn't want that for any of us. It was for freedom he came to set us free, that we would remain free. Remaining free means there's maintenance involved. And I need to make sure that I don't allow that barnacle of unforgiveness to stick to my soul, to stick to my heart, to stick to my mind. I've got to be completely free of it. I've got several heroes in history and in life currently. My wife is one. Another one is Frederick Douglass. I'll throw this picture up here. You guys remember Frederick Douglass? Incredible, born into slavery. He was a slave. He tried to escape three times. On his third attempt, he was successful. He never met his parents, didn't know his parents, mistreated, horrible. Slavery was just one of the great evils of our nation and the world, and then so much slavery still going on. But after he got free, uh, what an overcomer. Came an author. He was our very first African-American vice presidential candidate. Long time ago. Ambassador, statesman, went through unspeakable horrors. But after he was free, had his own home, the Holy Spirit started convicting him of unforgiveness toward his slave master, one of his former slave masters. Imagine that. And this conviction, he responded to the Lord by writing a letter to his former slave master, okay? Here's what he said. This is word for word, a portion of the letter. I entertain no malice toward you personally. I've forgiven you. There's no roof under which you would be more safe than mine. And there's nothing in my house which you might need for your comfort, which I would not readily grant to you. Indeed, I should esteem it a privilege to set you an example as to how mankind ought to treat one another. Incredible. He responded to the Holy Spirit, forgave, let go, canceled out all of those memories of what had been done to him, gave that away. I'm sure that was a process for him. But once he did, he could then offer, he could offer love. He could say, come stay at my house. I'll treat you well. Forgiveness is so powerful. Not only frees us, freed him, but then you can offer something to other people. You can bless them. Corey Ten Boom, another hero. As you know about her, um, family watchmakers in Amsterdam, Netherlands. They were protecting Jews when they found out that the Jews were being exterminated and sent off to concentration camps. They start hiding them in their home. Wrote a book called The Hiding Place, turned into a movie. It's a great one if you haven't seen it or read the book. Incredible woman. Uh, she gets captured by the Nazis. 
moved around to different concentration camps. Her father dies only 10 days after being, they were all captured. Uh, her sister then dies. She's freed by a mistake, clerical error about a year later. She begins to speak at several churches around the world. She's at one church speaking in Germany after her release, after the war is over. And a man came up to her and extended his hand. And the moment she saw him, she remembered he was one of the prison guards in a concentration camp who had really mistreated her and her sister. Imagine that. He comes up to her with a smile. He extends his hand. And he says, will you forgive me? You know, here are Corey's words. This is in her words. She said, and still I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. Sometimes healing happens when you thrust out your hand. When you take an action, an action, when you do something, even though you may not feel it, of I forgive. And as she prayed, Jesus, help me. I've prayed that prayer too, although I haven't had nearly anything like what she experienced. Matthew, I'm going to go quickly here. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me? And I forgive him and let it go. As many as up to seven times. I'm reading this in the Amplified. 22, Jesus answered him, I tell you, not, not seven, but 70 times seven. Therefore, because, excuse me, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. So Jesus begins telling him a story when he asked about forgiveness. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, equivalent of $10 million in our money today, 10 million. And because he could not pay, his master offered, excuse me, ordered him to be sold with his wife, his children, everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees, begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with compassion and he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. But that same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii, about 20 bucks. And he caught him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down, begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay you all. But he was unwilling. And he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. They went out and told everything that had taken place to their master. Verse 32, when this master called him and said to him, you contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all the great debt of yours because you begged me to. 
And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And in wrath, his master turned him over to the torturers, the jailers, till he should pay all that he owed. So also my heavenly father, Jesus speaking, will deal with every one of you who do not freely forgive your brother from your heart his offenses. I don't know about you, the most difficult people I've had in my life to forgive are those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. If someone doesn't know the Lord and they do something lousy, it's like I go, yeah, that's expected. But when someone is a believer and they do something horrible, it's even harder. And I think Peter is having the same issue. He's saying, Jesus, if my, for my brother, do I forgive him like seven times on the eighth time I hold him to it and I don't forgive? Jesus said, nope, 490 times. In other words, over and over and over and over, you let it go, you let it go, you cancel it out, you keep giving it away. You don't hang on, you don't hang on to it because it's poison for you if you do. Jesus says that to him. It's interesting here, the wording. In that last, excuse me, verse 34, in wrath his master turned him over to the torturers till he paid all that he owed. It's not the master torturing, it's turning over to the torturers. I have found for me, when I haven't forgiven, there are torturers called the memories of what has happened to me that replay over and over and over and over in the day and in the night and in the afternoon and what they should have done right and why they didn't and why they treated me this way when I didn't deserve it. It's a torture. It's a torment. It's the memory of what they've done over and over. Until I forgive, that goes on and it steals. It's a thief. It steals time, effort, energy. It steals peace steals rest, it's a torturer. Until I forgive, I'm tortured. I'm the one, and I've, I've had that happen, and I've had to say, Lord, help me to forgive, because I'm tormented, but I can't quit thinking about this, what has been done wrong to me. But we can let go of that. Hell on earth is the place of unforgiveness, because there's torment and torture with it, which is what hell is about, a constant torment. I want to show you a short video. It's three minutes long. If we could go ahead and play it. It's from a, a movie, Les Miserables, the older version. But it's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, thank and... God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver. He claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying... He told us the truth. Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam, you know, 
offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. powerful scene he not only forgives he gives him some more and not only is he set free but if you watch the rest of the movie Jean Valjean does some great things he moves on of course he had been in prison for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread so he had a lot of anger he had been mistreated he had been done wrong and so he was doing wrong to others and then this happened with this man who knew God and knew forgiveness and set free. We can do that for others. When we have been hurt, mistreated, stolen from, I've had th- a lot of things stolen from me, we can go and not only forgive it, but release them, give them back to God and ask them to be even blessed. That's what he did. He blessed him after he took him and hit him, took from him and hit him. He blessed him anyway. I want to share this last passage here. This is John chapter 20. Remarkable picture of what's going on. Jesus has just been raised from the dead after he's been crucified. Um, The disciples who had been following him, who had run from Jesus at the moment when he needed them the most, they were hiding. Now they're hiding in this room for fear of the Jews, the Bible says. And Jesus appears, he just shows up in the room. And he begins talking to them. Says here, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw it was the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. Dan mentioned this last week, I think, of how the breath of life came into man in the garden. And then here you've got the Son of God risen from the dead, breathing life on them, and here he breathes on them and says to them as he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. As I'm breathing on you, receive the Spirit of God inside of you. Verse 23, and then he says the most interesting thing at the most interesting moment after receiving the Holy Spirit. 
if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they've been retained. And what a moment to speak about forgiveness and to give them the Holy Spirit and then to talk about it. I have this picture in my mind too that as he is doing this, when he shows them his hands, when he shows them his feet, when he shows them his side that's got a spear hole in it still, in this glorified body that he has that still shows the marks of what was done to him, He's in one sense, I think, not just showing who he is, but I think he's showing them what's been done to him. What's been done to him. He could have said, see all these holes on my forehead. And they knew that he had been crucified. So when he does that and he shows them what's been done to him and who he is, he breathes on them, says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then he starts talking about forgiving other people. He led the way in forgiving everyone who had crucified him, even while he was on the tree. He said, Lord, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And then as his disciples are hiding in a room, he shows them what's been done to him, and he breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit and forgive. If you will let go, if you forgive someone, their sins will be, they'll be forgiven. We have that supernatural ability by the Holy Spirit to forgive people. It's a supernatural thing. It's not just a natural thing. It's a supernatural ability that we need the Holy Spirit to help us with to let go, especially if it's a major thing, if it's a deep thing, if it's a traumatic thing, if it's something that costs you a lot. It can be so hard to let go of, but we have the Holy Spirit now. He's been given to us to help loosen that thing and to help us forgive. That is one of the more supernatural things we can do as a Christian is to go around forgiving to go around letting people go, releasing them, canceling out the debt that they had against us. Anything they've done to us, we can forgive them. It's a powerful and a beautiful thing, and then it sets us free. And Jesus didn't want any of his disciples to have secondhand offense about what was done to him. He wanted them to also be free of that. That could be an element of this. He didn't want them to retain anything. He wanted them to be free. And he will help us. And you can ask, there was a moment in my life when someone threatened my life, actually said they were gonna blow my head off. Is what, those are the exact words. And it was hard for me to forgive them. And it tormented me. And I, after a day of being tormented and thinking about what I could do to them, said, Holy Spirit, I need your help because I am trying to forgive them and I'm having trouble. Would you please help me? And then that's when the Holy Spirit started to show me images of what Jesus had been through and how I could forgive. He forgave my $10 million debt. I can forgive 20 buck debt. I can release, I can let go. And so just today, I want to, in a place of simply not digging around, trying to find something, but just allowing the Holy Spirit, like we do at communion, 
to say, if there's something in me, if there's a barnacle of unforgiveness that's in me, if there's something that is sticking to me, if there's something someone has done that I haven't let go of, that I've not let it go, I've not forgiven, let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And here's how I can tell, there's a little litmus test that I do for myself, and that is when I think about what's been done wrong to me by a person, and I think about for this moment, and then if I think about what if they just won the lottery, that just had done this to me, how would I feel about that for them? Would I be excited for them? If they were blessed in a way, if they had, were, did really well, let's say they got promoted, how would I feel about that? Or would I go, that is not right. They really should be paying. They, they really should, why, is, why are they not suffering? If that's still in me, then I have really not forgiven yet. Because when we have forgiven, when I have forgiven, I should want them to be blessed. I should want them to be free. I should want them to do well even if they've never asked for forgiveness from me. And again, that is one of those things that can be really tough because a lot of people will never ask for forgiveness. A lot of times in their own minds, they don't know that they've done anything wrong. They may not realize it one moment. Sometimes they do and they still won't. But regardless, I still get to forgive. So let's just pray for a moment. We'll end this way. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to be free and forgiven and for us to be released from the poison on the inside of us. And thank you, Jesus, that you breathed on your disciples. You breathed into us your spirit. We have Holy Spirit on the inside. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us if there is any person that we need to forgive, that we need to let go, that we need to cancel out their debt. Would you show us and then, Lord, would you help us? We think about them by name, by face, and we ask for your help. And we speak forgiveness to them. We say, I forgive you. We reach out our hand as Corey Tenboom did, and we say, I forgive. I let go. Thank you, Lord, for helping us stay free. Thank you for helping us be free. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping those that we've just forgiven. And thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Keep us free. And I pray, Holy Spirit, even that you go ahead of us and that anything that is done wrong, whether it be small or large, to us, it would not stick to us. May we forgive instantly, quickly, that as we die to ourselves and live to you, that we would not allow unforgiveness to have safe harbor in our hearts. We provide no quarter for unforgiveness with our spouses, with our family members, with people we work with, with our neighbors, with people who hate us. Whatever the case may be, Holy Spirit, enable us to forgive quickly, to let it go, to not hold on to it. And Lord, I ask for a complete renewal of bodies and minds for those who have had unforgiveness for years Maybe it's afflicted them. Lord, we ask that you break the power of that affliction, that you'd heal their physical body, that you would set them free entirely right now, and that we would remain that way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
for updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.